1: In this episode of the Explore Podcast, I sit down with Steve Hawkins, the lead developer of Alliance of the Sacred Sons, and talk to him about his game. So stay tuned. Welcome to the show Steve. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm happy to have you. You know, you and I have gone back and forth for a little bit and we've been trying to sit down and have a conversation, so I'm glad we actually got the chance to do so. So, I just want to know more about you Steve because I've I've seen a lot of your writings and I've listened to you on video and doing your let's plays. I feel like I've gotten to know you just a little bit, but I want to know more about you. So, tell me more about who you are, and what your background is.
0: Well, um not too much to tell. I I uh my programming background actually started when I had, my first computer was an Atari 800 XL. So I kind of cut my teeth on Atari basic on my uh, old TV. Um, I don't know. I just kind of dabbled with it. I actually took a class in high school. Um, they had a, a, a team called American computer science league. And I actually competed in that and actually did very well. Uh, went all the way to the finals and ended up in 17th place, which is really good. I just like people from all over the country. Um, it kind of got me to think, Hey, I, I, I might be able to do something with this programming thing. Um, Unfortunately, the math kind of scared me away, so I didn't take it in college, but I did kind of dabble with it through college. And then I kind of took on a, a management career after that uh, for about 15 years, um, but just never really kind of left it. I, I always kind of hobby programmed. Uh, I taught myself C++. Um, then I went to Visual Basic, and Visual Basic is actually where I started programming more serious things. Um, are you familiar with the Honorverse uh, David Weber series? I sure am. Awesome. Awesome. So I always thought it'd be cool to have like a tactical simulator, you know, they had the battles and it'd be really cool to have kind of like a, uh, Honorverse harpoon kind of game. So I did a totally unauthorized, totally unlicensed version. Of course I didn't sell it or anything. It was just more of a hobby project, but that was my first kind of true project. And, and I had the Manticore versus Haven and you could pick your fleets and pick captains and, you know, it was kind of like in deep space and, you know, you had to kind of detect the other people and you could fire, you know, huge missile salvos and lasers and grazers. And it was cool. Um, it was in visual basic. So it was pretty, it's basically like a windows form, but it was cool and it worked and I enjoyed it. And so after that, I thought hmm, maybe I could make a, a better game. So I'd always had this um, game in my mind and and it became what became Alliance of the Sacred Sons. And, I've uh, just kind of been banging it out for, for a while now, and but that's kind of pretty much my background. You know, I've I've just recently had the opportunity to go full time and kind of hopefully make this my career going forward. So I'm very excited about the future.
1: Yeah, I think that's great news. So congratulations. I know that you picked up a publisher. Are you, are you talking about that, who that is yet? Um, unfortunately, not yet. Uh, I do know that we're going to start uh,
0: publishing and actually giving the official announcement because I have a trailer and they have to make an announcement. It's going to be the end of this
1: year so late December, early January. It probably, you know, lessens the load. It takes a little bit of weight off your shoulder to know that there's somebody back behind you supporting you like that. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And they've been fantastic. Um, anything I've needed,
0: you know, they have a, a, a full, I can tell you they have a, a, it's a major studio kind of backing it up. So uh, they have kind of those resources and, and financially they're basically able to say, Hey, what, you know, if you need this, like right now, we're, you know, we need to get some art uh, resources together. We're punching up the UI and the art. And so we're, you know, okay, I want these three artists and, you know, they're really good and they'll, you know, do good art and good icons. And, you know, we've got some interstitials that we need to put in and they're like, great, you know, send us the bill. So that's, it's, it's really great to have that support. I know it's very rare for an indie to have that kind of support and I'm extremely
1: grateful for it. In your own words, can you describe to me what you think Alliance of the Sacred Sons is? Um, well, it's it's a strategy game and it's a four X game. Uh, we
0: call it a five X internally, the 5 X being exist because you play the part of the Emperor and you know, your goal essentially above all else is stay alive, which is harder than it sounds because you know, the thing that's always frustrated me about typical four X games is you play kind of this gray eminence and you are not really I mean you're supposed to be the leader, but you never see yourself, you never hear yourself. You know, you're you're very transcendental and I always wanted to play a 4X where you actually were a person and you, you know, your actions had weight and you could actually die and and you know have events happen or or you know go in the hospital or something. And I just thought that would add a lot more uh, heft to the game, you know, because you're supposed to be this like galactic leader, but nobody knows anything about you, and that just seems silly.
1: Yeah, I've always, always, I've actually considered the same thing. I think it's strange that like you don't have a persona, like a personality. And so what I really like about Alliance of the Sacred Sons is that you are attempting basically like mix 4X with, uh, let's say Crusader Kings 2, because I know that's probably the most popular game that that sort of mirrors what you're trying to do. So can you tell me a little bit more about the character development aspect of Alliance of the Sacred Sons? Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, it's kind of my, my other frustrations. You know, we talk about, I played, and I don't want to sound, you know, on my high horse, but I've probably played virtually every four X that's ever been made since 1988. Um, it's my favorite genre by country mile. And in very few of those games, did I feel like I was ever dealing with people? You know, you, 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 you know, let's say you're building something and you're, you're building a a starship or you're building something on a planet or you're, you're researching science. I mean, those things just happen and there's never any descent. There's never any you know, well, what if I don't want to do that? Or maybe we could do something different. One thing I really liked about Civilization too I know we're going way back, but, you know, they had the advisor windows and they would kind of talk amongst each other. And I don't know if you remember, but they would kind of say, oh, well, that's a stupid idea. You shouldn't do that. You should you should do the science thing. No, you should do the military thing. No, you should do the, you know, help the people. And I thought, hey, that 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 was a really cool mechanic. And that's actually one of the things I most liked about Civ- Civilization too is kind of the interplay between your advisors so a big part of alliance of the sacred sons is you know if you're going to play a real emperor you should also have a real council and you should have real characters and they should be able to stand up and say no and that should have repercussions you know imagine in a 4x game if you went to go build a factory and you got a message saying the viceroy refuses your request you're like what what no and you know and and you feel are i'm angry i gotta do something about that viceroy But, but there's you know the vast majority of 4x games don't have that layer. So with the Crusader Kings, you know, you're dealing with people first and foremost. And, you know, Crusader Kings, basically it's a relationship simulator and it's a dynastic simulator. And, you know, you're, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with their wants and needs and you are um, you are you are just trying to understand their goals and machinations. And it's, it's something that I, I really find fascinating and just, you know, the interlocking web of if I piss off this person, then I'm pissing off this other person. And if I do something, you know, person X, then person Y will seek vengeance. And and if, if Y seeks vengeance and Z might get angry, I mean, and that's the kind of multi-layered relationship model that I seek to create in Alliance of the Sacred Sons.
1: So, how do you plan on making it as accessible as you can to anybody who might be new to the genre or just coming to the genre or maybe even just somebody who's a, you know, a Forex veteran that still feels like this might sound a little overwhelming? Well, and you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head as far as as design um,
0: issue. You know, there's so much going on that a big part of our goal in these next six months as we move towards early access is really um, putting all the layers in a, in a place where the player knows what to do and understands how they kind of work with each other. So, you know, for example, you don't necessarily have to know how the character relationships work, but the more, you know, the better off you are. And, you know, things like science, you know, things like the military system, you know, there are layers to those things. Now you don't have to know hardly any of it. Um, you know, the the game will play itself in, in, in that sense, you know, things will happen. Your viceroy's will build stuff on planets. You know, your people will, will migrate to and from plants. I mean, your your empire will soldier on, but it's an understanding how to do the little things, how to tweak your viceroys, you know, what to say, what to do, how to, you know, get the maximum out of your empire. That's going to be the challenge. You know, this is not a 4X that you can just sit down, you know, you, you open up the screen. I mean, it looks like a 4X when you first boot it up, but then you're trying to, oh, wait, how do I build, how do I build a ship? Hmm. Wait, how do I research something? Oh, I have to set a budget. Well, how do I set a budget? Oh, I have to go in and I have to move money from my my savings account. Well, I don't have to do that, but it'll give me more money. Well, you know, wait, why am I not getting the research right away? Wait, I I get a pick? You know, there's so many different systems. And what we found in in playtesting and why we have a really loyal, you know, base behind the game is that once they understand what we're trying to do and understand the systems and how they work, people are like, oh, that is awesome. Like, that is so cool but it's getting over that hill and getting them to see what's different and that you can't play this like a typical four X. That's the biggest design challenge, both in um, how we approach. And of course the UI, which is getting a significant overhaul um, to make it easier and less intimidating to new players.
1: I've noticed that you do a lot of let's play videos. In fact, I feel like you do a let's play video pretty much every version update, which is great because it helps us understand, you know, the, the newest thing that you're putting in. So is part of, the solution to that problem, uh, like a video tutorial system, or do you think you have like an in-game tutorial system that will kind of, you know, hold your hand and walk you step-by-step? So we're going to do both. Um, actually it's going to be three parts. Well, four, I guess we're going to have a manual.
0: (laughs) We're going to have an in-game, um, (laughs) Alliance of pedia for lack of a better word, which is actually already in the game. At least the bare bones are in there. Um, and then we're going to have the, the, the video tutorials that you'll be able to access from the main screen, uh, but then the big thing will be the in-game in tutorial. So the way that's going to work is your Grand Vizier, you know, you're 18, you've just, you know, fresh off the, um, in, you know, uh, coronation ceremony. So your Grand Vizier has been kind of training you. So what's going to happen is the game behind the scenes is going to kind of replay your last few months leading up to your 18th birthday and say, okay, so first we're going to show you how to run a planet. Okay, now we're going to show you all those systems. Okay, now we're going to show you a system and how you what you can do there. Okay, now we're going to teach you about a province. Great, now we're going to introduce you to your celestial council. Okay, now we're going to talk. We're going to show you your inquisitors, which are your intel guys. Okay, great. Now we're going to explain how your military works. You know, and finally, we're going to explain how you know all the, the your characters and how you interact with them and how you get things done. The idea of ADM, etc. So it'll be kind of graduated. You know, you won't be able to continue until you've done, you know, say for for the planet, you know, get the Viceroy to build a, um, you know, change their focus to factories, you know, something really simple. And then they refuse and now you have to figure out how to get them on your side. So it'll just kind of do by teaching and it'll gradually expand um, kind of like the original Imperium Galactica. I'm sure you've played that where you kind of started out as. You know, you you were running a pl- or a ship and then you kind of expanded from there and suddenly you're running an empire eventually, but you kind of had to learn each place. So um, that's kind of what we have envisioned. Um, so it'll essentially be a, a, a four step process. But the manual will be very detailed. Uh, I'm actually starting on that. And uh, I'm an old school guy. I like the 300 page manuals that you can sit and read while you, you do your business. And um, this manual will be pretty
1: darn thick. You mean on the toilet, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, you said you said it, not me.
1: <laughs> that's where I. Used to, I mean, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times that when I was younger, I was you know pulling out that Master Ryan two manual or even the Master Ryan strategy guide, which I still have, and just just going through that over and over again. So yeah, that's great to hear. I'm I'm really excited to read the manual. So the next question I have for you is, I know that right now you're you just reached the 0.8 milestone, right? Correct. And so with point eight, I guess you've added a bunch of other stuff. So I, I was hoping you could kind of recap. I know recently you've just added stories and a few other things too, which are like basically events that uh, you have an opportunity to make choices for. And then what, what occurs from this point forward? So I know in the last year or so, from what I understand, a lot of things have changed, right? You, you, you started off with a group, maybe even a team of developers or a partnership. Well,
0: yeah. Well, um, I had uh, basically a guy uh, helping with some of the design. Uh, his name is Oliver. Um, he's actually back on. He, he actually went to grad school, but he's uh, acting as sort of a um, consultant. Uh, in fact, we just talked the other day. So he actually is back on the team. And then uh, our UI artist is also uh, also doing the revamp. Uh, his name is Ogie. So actually, we have our original team back. Um, and then, of course, we're going to be adding some more artists and then a, a beta team. And then you know some assistance from our publisher, but uh, the core group is, is is on board.
1: Fantastic! So, in the lead up to getting your own develop or your own publisher here, so it sounds like it feels like you've been sort of really just you know nose to the grindstone, pushing out updates. What's the plan now?
0: Yeah, we have a a full roadmap. Um, I think we put it on our blog a while back, and we're still on track. Uh, one thing, another great thing about this uh, publisher is that they're very understanding. When uh, things don't always go smoothly or you know, we've already had to make one minor change, but nothing, nothing too big. But uh, yeah, this, this upcoming uh, roadmap, it's going to be exciting because we've got um, the military is kind of the big thing coming up. That's the major one for 8.0. Um, it's it's going to take about three months to actually fully create. But yeah, we've got um, uh, the Celestial Council that's going to be added. Um, the emperor system. So you actually have, you will have, it's called the emperor diary. And so this is kind of a character sheet and you actually have stats, uh, like charisma, you know, kind of similar to your characters, intelligence, um, drive, et cetera. And, um, you will actually be able to do actions that actually improve. You'll be able to go to school. You'll be able to well, take, you know, digital courses or holographic courses or whatever they do in the 31st century. And, um, you'll also have a, a relationship web from there. You know, we were, you only will have a certain amount of friends, uh, which are your highest relationship tier. Um, so that's going to be in there. Um, and then the celestial council, you know, right now it's really functioned as nothing more than a place for people to get power and, a, and kind of a stat boost, but, uh, you'll actually, to pass certain things, you'll have to push them past your celestial council. So the thing is the council seats are j- typically, uh, all each house and there are five great houses plus yours have a seat. So there's, there's, um, you know, there's five seats plus you. So you'll have to kind of negotiate them and, you know, you can remove people. You have the ability to remove people from the council, but of course it'll really piss them off and piss their house off. So that's going to be something new. Um, face gen is something we're pretty excited about. You know, the portraits, you know, we had an artist way, way, way back, like four, four years ago, um, who did kind of a really interesting job with the portraits and and did some good things, but, uh, we had to kind of change those out, and so we've got kind of an interim placeholder system now. But we're going to go with a full professional face gen system and a professional artist and everything. So finally, we're going to have unique portraits for everyone in the game, and they're going to be based on culture. Um, so you know, some a technic character is going to look different from a neo American, which is going to look different from a people of the new book, which is an outline culture. So that'll be really exciting. Um, the other major thing coming, um, is the, uh, what we call global events is these are like huge events that can happen in your empire, like a meteor hitting a planet or something, or, you know, a, a, a dreadnought has broken up an atmosphere and and raining down, you know, debris over, you know, the capital of a system, uh, system capital. And, and sometimes they're good things too. Um, but these are, bigger events that you will have to act on immediately similar to stories, but then they will have long-term repercussions as well. So, um, and these will usually, you know, have a, a big boost in your power or, you know, your treasury or, or obviously decline or cause, you know, a, a planet to lose hands or a house to possibly gain or lose power. So there are things that significantly affect the game without being super overbalanced. It's not like they're not like cataclysmic events where, you know, your capital, Planet blows up, and no, it's it's not like that. But they, they provide another bit of immersion into the uh, Alliance of the Sacred Suns universe. So those are the major systems coming in po- in point eight.
1: So help me understand this. So the long term, like the actual end product, ends up being a game where you're not only doing what we've talked about. So you're you're managing an empire from you know high above, and you're doing more like the general tasks than you are getting nitty gritty with everything you're also managing character or managing relationships and managing a bunch of things that you don't normally manage in forex and you thought would be cool when the game's finished and you have this in-game threat which you're calling the zill what's the plan so are you basically trying to unite all these houses in order to be at your best when the zill come and is that the only end game like the only way this this game ends or are there going to be various ways that, that you can accomplish victory here
0: no, there's several ways that you can win. Um, to begin with, you can actually turn the entire Zill endgame off. If you just want to play it like a traditional you know, 4X slash Crusader Kings 2-ish type of game, you can do that. It's not dynastic, uh, but there is an endgame goal called the Lazarus Project um, where if you get over 80% of your um, – I'm sorry, 85% of your uh, popular support throughout your empire, uh, which typically you can only do if your other houses are on board because if a house hates you, then there are people – that are affiliated with that house will tend not to like you either. Then you will be given permission, essentially a mandate to research the Lazarus project, which when completed will allow you to become immortal. So, um, you know, the, the the rationale behind that is the, the people are not going to allow someone to live forever and rule forever unless they're really on board with them. Um, So there's that. And then of course, the Zill, um, yeah, basically, and that's where kind of the uh, Alliance of the Sacred Suns, it's kind of where the name kind of comes in. You know, the idea is that humanity, and there's a whole history behind the game, and I won't go into it extensively, but basically, you know, uh, humanity was run off Earth about a thousand years prior. They built a Stargate um, from plans that they found, like from a comet that hit the desert. And there were there were, like the glyphs in there that, you know, allowed to decipher and, and build a Stargate. And so they ended up building the Stargate about 60 years later. And turns out it was a... Trojan horse for yeah. the Zill that they sent all these, you know, these runes out to all these different systems. And when a civilization was able to decipher them, it means that they were technologically advanced enough to basically come plunder. So in came the Zill, you know, humanity fought for two years. They lost. Um, they actually sent some arc ships through reprogrammed the Stargate to send to kind of a distant sector of, of the galaxy. So humanity kind of grew for 500 years, you know, kind of out in the the, the nether reaches of the Milky Way um, became the the Terran Terran Alliance, you know, kind of like the Federation of sorts. And then kind of like the Borg, the Zil came back, found them. Um, humanity fought to a standstill, uh, inserted a nanovirus to kind of drive them away, didn't destroy them, but it kind of, you know, halted their advance. Um, and then after that, a lot of the outlying uh, colonies basically got decimated because they were too far out. They couldn't be protected by the, the the Terran Alliance. So they broke away and gradually the entire Alliance sort of folded and was replaced by the house system, which eventually became the celestial empire. Um, So we kind of move into a feudalism role. Those outlying, you know, colonies were basically formed their own cultures. They kind of lost contact with the main empire. And so now you're in 3050, it's a thousand years later um, one of the conceits is that you're actually psychic and you're the last of your line. So there's no, you don't have an heir and you are sort of picking up these psychic signals that the Zill are coming back. They actually have a leader and I won't go too much into it because there's some spoilers, but basically you're, you're getting sense that something's going on. So you are trying to kind of reunite the empire because most of the houses don't like you. They don't like an 18 year old. They want to take the empire for themselves. You have one or two allies and then you're trying to build up your, 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 empire to a point where they can overcome the Zill when they make their final attack. So militarily, that's an option. Um, You have a psychic option. You can actually build, there's a psychic tree built in that you can actually communicate. And there's a whole story chain that if you're successful, that will actually work. Um, And then the end goal essentially is to prevent the Zill from having their leader come back to this plane of existence called recension. Um, They built an engine to do that. Um, Unfortunately, what you learn in the course of the game is it will fail spectacularly. And you have to stop that by any means necessary. So those are kind of the main the, uh, win points. Um, you don't have to have everyone allied, but you have to have enough allied to you know beat back the threat. I mean, if you want to go it alone and build a gigantic army and keep the other houses at bay and not you know explore for other fallen uh, fallen civilizations of humanity, you you could. I mean, there's no there's no you know the game is not on rails. You're free to do whatever you want, and I think that's one of the strengths of it but it will be a lot harder. So it's meant to be played by you having to get allies, picking what allies are most important and can support you in this endeavor. Now, obviously, of course, when the Zill make their appearance, everyone's like, oh, no, we have to, but it's too late at that point. So, you know, you 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 have to be ready before that happens. So that's essentially the, the end games.
1: So in order to bring everybody together, are you able to, like, once you introduce the military, is that something that you can, like, kind of browbeat people into? Or are you going to be able to, like... Uh, militarily invade other houses and a either make them a part of the alliance or b um, just insert yourself there. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you can play as the Galactic Empire essentially
0: if you want. I mean, you can browbeat everybody. I mean, right now you can call down kinetic strikes on planets. Um, you'll be able to use your military to to uh, basically terrorize houses because houses won't have the military that you do as the the Celestial Empire. You know, think of it kind of like back in the days. As though, you're, you know, your barons, your dukes, they had the levies, they had their own um, feudal armies, and you had nominal control, and you could kind of call them up when, when the, uh, the realm was threatened, but you didn't really have direct control. So that's kind of the, a similar way that it works in, in the game. But yes, yes, you can, you can play highly militarily. Um, now, the problem with that is, though, is that you will be considered a ty- tyrant um, leader. And there are two of the major things that you have to control are your fear and your love. Your love is your popular support. Your fear is your fear level. And if your fear level goes higher than your love and both are above, I want to say 40%, then you're considered a tyrant and you at that point, you run the risk of if you ever lose grip on power, just kind of as in the real world, then you run significant risks of rebellion, riots, and eventually being deposed, you know, if you ever let your power wane. So it's kind of a risky way to go, but it is an option. And yes, you can actually take over houses, you can uh, either dismantle them, or you can um, put someone in your own house to kind of run them by proxy. Um, then maybe they, they become basically your vassal. So, but of course, when you do that to one house, the other houses will essentially band together to prevent that from happening to them. So you have to be pretty darn strong and pretty darn tyrannical for that to happen because your pops again, will be very unhappy at you taking these houses by force. And then of course the other houses will band together to try to destroy you and, and get you, you
1: know, destroy the empire at that point. So there's checks and balances to every, every strategy. That sounds great. Honestly, I think that it sounds like you've just given this the whole thing a lot of thought. And so I have two questions. First of all, can you just tell me quickly, what are the Zillow? Are they, are they, it sounds like they're robotic based on what you're saying. Are they a mechanical race?
0: They are kind of, they're kind of biomechanical. Yes. They, they live in kind of an ethereal plane as well, but they're highly advanced. Um, kind of, kind of, I don't know how to, they're kind of like cyber insects, I guess. Um, I guess you could put them across between like a Terminator and an alien, you know, from aliens, uh, but they're all very intelligent. Actually, they're capable of, of of taking bioenergy, and that's actually how they power their recension engine, is by stealing bioenergy, which is essentially like, you know, you know sucking people's souls, if you want to put it that way. Um, and that's kind of how you start to find out about the threads, that some of your outlying colonies, your most outlying colonies, basically get wiped out. And when you send someone to investigate, you find out that all the people you know, they're dead and they have, you know, it's, it's just not a good scene. And so you, um, but yeah, that's basically what they are. So, but they're not, you don't see them so much, you know, you don't, the game, it's not like the, and, and this is kind of the thing. It's not like they're another faction where at the end you're going to play them. You know, there's more of kind of a countdown aspect, you know, once they have a certain amount of bio, you know, bioenergy um, they can start basically the recension process and you will know this, you'll have a clock and you'll have like a turn countdown, but your goal is to be able to launch a final assault. I don't know if you've ever played a game called Valkyrie Profile. It's a very iconic game on PlayStation. You ever heard of it? Yes, I have. I've played it. Okay. Well, you know, you have the final war between Midgard and Asgard. Well, you don't actually fight that war, right? Your whole goal is to get characters, level them up, you know, get their skills up so that you can get them up to Asgard and and, and get them ready basically for that final battle, right? Yeah. So... It's kind of the same thing, you know, because one big thing about four X's and I'm sure you're, you're aware of this, that the end game can be very tedious and you, you know, I don't, and I'll be bluntly honest. I very rarely finish a four X game. When it becomes clear that I'm going to win, it's just a matter of going and hunting down like random capitals and, you know, random, you know, hold out cultures like ask for it. And, and with this, you know, there's a buildup every, every, you know, it's a finite number of turns, you know, something's going to happen at the end game you know you you know that you you are going to be underpowered until the end if if we balance the game right it's going to be a struggle to get enough power to overcome the zill um, and then basically the end of the game either you stop them or you don't either humanity dies or the zill die um, and it's going to be based on all the preparation you did so but it's not you're not actually fighting that but you're not sending fleets and you're not sending you know um, you know because we we wanted it to be kind of a different end game um, to where you know, you, you're not having to fight this protracted end game. You know, you, you, you have made your preparations, you built your armies, you've built your navies, you've, you know, you put the right people, and all that factors in all that factors in your, to your preparedness. Um, and then, you know, if you hit over a certain point, then basically you're, you're assured victory. Uh, but it's a, it's a difficult point to achieve. So um, we think it'll kind of keep focus um, among people, it'll give them something to fight for right till the very end, because that goal, it's a high bar. And it'll, it'll give players something to do, um, you know, and, and it'll really feel that they accomplished something. You know, if they beat the Zill, it's because they, they really, you know, it's like in, in the game when you beat, um, you know, when the armies of Asgard, well, your side, you know, Lineth's side, um, won, you know, you felt like because, yeah, I really prepared those guys. You know, I sent the best troops and the best warriors, and I, you know, spent all that time leveling them up, and, and it was a, a real great feel. And I, and I don't get that in a 4X it's like ah well I win again now I just have to go hunt down the stragglers but the game's decided you know with 200 turns left to play you know and it's just it's just again another way that we're trying to make the genre a little different and provide the the, the player something to reach for until the very last turn.
1: So there's two things I wanted to say about that. First of all, one of my favorite forex games of all time was Colonization, and so. It actually, what you're saying now, too, sort of mirrors a little bit what colonization did. When, you know, the, the entire game, you're basically preparing your own colonies to, to you know, to declare independence and then fight off, you know, the mother country. So that was really always a difficult thing to do. So I I, I like what you're doing. I, I like the idea of, you know, preparing for the entire game, basically, to, you know, overcome your possible overlords. So I, I do like that a lot. What I was also thinking, too, is that we recently just had a podcast where we started talking about where our issues are with the forex genre and, and as a whole are and we talked a lot about how the end game is just awful for the most part so it's fantastic to hear that you're trying to address that and and change it up and make it in ways that you know that that would keep me around because you're you're right I'm, I'm a lot i'd say 90% of the games that i play in forex games are decided probably about halfway through, and then I kind of just either give up, or I, (laughs) you know, I'm endlessly just, you know, like, thoughtlessly clicking the intern button, and moving units, and stuff like that, so that's not fun to me, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you're addressing that. My next question for you, though, is there are a few games now that are trying to do what you're doing, and it's surprising, because I haven't seen anyone trying to do, like, this general, like, overlord emperor feel, or emperor, like, outlook, or emperor perspective i should say of how forex could be handled and now they've got games like star dynasties and stellar monarch so what do you think and i know i know you probably don't know too much about these two games but i i'm sure you did some of your research and i'm just curious to know what do you think sets alliance of the sacred suns apart from those two games
0: well, um, and actually I know, uh, both of the developers, um, at least in passing, you know, we, we talk, they're actually both on my discord channel and, and we kind of talk to each other. Um, and, and honestly, I think Alliance, you know, you know, stellar, well, stellar Monarch is probably closer to Alliance than star dynasties, star dynasties, they're trying to do something very different as well. And I applaud, um, you know, that, that what, what they're doing with that, um, you know, it's very character-driven. I mean, Star Dynasty is extremely character-driven, and the t- more traditional 4X elements are not quite as important. It's just done in a different way, um, where you're actually almost telling a story. I think Star Dynasty is meant to be more of a you know storytelling kind of game. Um, Stellar Monarch. Now, I haven't played Stellar Monarch, but I, I know a fair amount about it. Um, the developer's a really cool guy. Actually, actually, plug for him. He's about to put out an expansion that looks really cool, but. Um, it's more of a traditional thing. and I think that game is actually a little bit closer. Now, what sets Alliance of the Sacred Suns apart, I think more than anything, is the idea of action points and the fact that you cannot possibly do everything you want to do. You know, it really tries to simulate the, you know, the, the relationships are a part of it. And that's important for any leader, but it really also simulates, okay, what could you, you know, and I'm sure you're familiar with Foundation, you know, Isaac Asimov and and, and trying to run, I mean, can you imagine trying to run an empire with 20 million planets? I mean, how on God's name could you even do that? You know, they had, they had to create an entire cast, you know, the greys in order to, to, and and I mean, and millions and millions and millions and millions of these greys to run empire and of course obviously everything came crashing down but the fact that they made it work for what 10,000 years 7,000 years is just astounding and so I, that always that always fascinated me you want to talk about like how did i start thinking about a game like this i thought about what would it be like to run the imperial the 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 empire like how 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 could one person be the figurehead for that and that's kind of what i'm trying to go for now obviously you don't have you know 20 million planets you know your computer would explode but it should give you an idea of running an empire and being a figurehead and still having to navigate, you know, you cannot do things directly. Everything has to be done kind of, you know, through other people. And I think that's what separates. And then not having the time in any given month, you know, you might only have four or five action points, you know, you know, you can't do everything that you want to do. So um, I think those two things really differentiate, but they're both really great games.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I actually think that's a really good assessment of how the games differ. And you know I think the the great part is that honestly they all kind of fit their own niche too so I think that even though Stellar Monarch and Alliance are you know similar in in the ways that you've said Stellar Monarch actually has more of a more of a traditional 4X feel in that you're actually interacting with foreign empires and they're all alien and stuff like that too so I, I agree that, that I think the the action point system is going to really help uh, it, it is actually similar to Star Dynasties he actually has em, employed a an action point system similar to that but you're right it's much more character driven so i do see a spot for all three which is great because i just i love to see ingenuity and it sounds like all three of you guys have tried to think of ways that you can create a better game a better forex game so it's it's awesome to see so from this point forward uh where do you see like i know that you're moving towards early access you're hoping in in six months right yeah so uh, sometime in march of 2020 okay and so what systems do you want to see before you're actually in early access so we're we want to be at point nine uh,
0: which is basically the only thing left would be the end game the Zill. and then of course the outside empires um, and then just some small you know uh, to t- finish the tutorial system win loss intro movies things like that um, so yeah when, when we get to point nine one thing I'm very passionate about is and it's not as bad as it used to be but there's a lot of stuff that gets dumped on steam in early access. And I think my personal feeling on early access is it shouldn't be an alpha test. It should be a game that is more or less complete, but it needs some significant feedback in order to get some play testing. I mean, some a game like Alliance needs a lot of balance and you won't get that unless you get literally thousands of people playing and getting that feedback to really fine tune all the systems. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of games that have years to go before they get put on early access. And I understand, I mean, I'm not, I I understand every, every developer has their model. I understand some need the money to finish the game. And, and, you know, there's not a right or wrong, but one thing that I despise, and I have spoken out about this and, and, in in my, my blogs and other places is I despise um, these developers that basically take the money and run. Where they promise the world, and this happens on Kickstarter too, and it's not as common as it seems to, as used to be, I guess. But um, every time that happens, it kind of takes trust from the industry, and to see developer, and I and I think some of them start with good intentions. I don't think they're all out to be scumbags and thieves and what whatnot. I think what happens is they get in over their head. They start a project, they get a lot of money, they exceed their you know Kickstarter goals, and they're like, oh, now this is really a thing. Now I got to really finish the game, and then they kind of get in the you know, go over their you know, they go over their skis, so to speak. So um I, I just want the early access version of Alliance to be extremely stable, extremely playable, 95% feature complete. I want people to feel that, you know, if the game never got another update, which it would, I don't want to, you know, scare anybody, but if it didn't, they still had an eminently playable and quality product. Um, we have a kind of a bill of rights that I've created for Cathawk Studios and one of the big things is you deserve a game that is a full featured game that doesn't need DLC that doesn't need additional content that doesn't need 20
1: patches in order to be complete. I am an adamant believer in that. As am I and I would wholeheartedly support that. So the next question I have for you because you mentioned difficulties and you know every developer goes through difficult times and I know a lot of times that you're right. I think that people have good intentions. They go out to early access or they try Kickstarter and then shit happens. Right. So what do you think so far has been the most difficult part of developing Alliance of the Sacred Sons? Um, well, <laughs> programming is hard, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're doing
0: it by yourself. Um, you know, it, it amuses me that Bungie considers themselves an independent studio. Um, I actually counted the amount of people that were involved in destiny too. I, when I, I, uh, count of the end credits just to kind of amuse myself. It's something like 700 people. Oh and yeah, totally. Independent. Like, <laughs> my God, what can I do? What can I do with 700 people? Um, a lot. But anyway, so when you're, when you're alone, especially this is pre, pre um, publisher, you know, anything you don't know, it's not like you can turn to a buddy and say, Hey, I need you to help you just knock out this programming. You're like, I had to learn it. I mean, I'm entirely self-taught. I had the one class in high school for programming, but everything else I have been entirely self-taught programmer. So um, sometimes it's challenging. I mean, this is a complex game and I'm frankly very proud of its condition. I mean, it's definitely not bug free, but for all the systems and for everything it's doing and, you know, sometimes one of the computer doesn't start to smoke. So, you know, I I think just challenging is just literally um, writing the game, balancing the game, pushing through. It's a very complex piece of software. Um, You know, there've been several times where I've kind of let, you know, kind of the game laps over the last year, you know, a couple of years, because I really didn't know what I wanted to do with it. You know, I didn't know that I can make a career out of it. Um, you know, I had a, I have a good career in management, making good money, you know, very solid. And I thought that's what I was going to do. But when, you know, you kind of, you know, most people don't get to do what they always want to do. I mean, people go to college, sometimes they get a different degree. Sometimes they don't get their degree. You know, a lot of times people settle. And, I really thought I was going to have to kind of settle in my life as far as for my career. And I mean, the company I work for is not bad at all. It's, you know, it's a good fortune 500 company and good benefits, et cetera, but it's not my passion. And so I guess pushing through the times where I felt like I was never going to finish the game or the game was never going to get anywhere or nobody was going to care. Like nobody, you know, so there's so many thousands of projects out there. I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of indie projects. And, and so when, the publisher reached out to me and, and you know, we started talking back in February and and kind of seeing like, oh, my gosh, like this could be a real thing. Like this isn't a joke. This is a real opportunity. Um, it just really galvanized me to kind of finish and and, and really push through. And so, um, you know, I'm absolutely 100 percent committed at this point. I mean, I have to be. But, uh, you know, it is a long grind. And I think people don't always appreciate the amount of work, even for a quote unquote crappy game. If it's a sole developer, it's a lot of work. I mean, I have probably put probably five thousand hours into this game. You know, coding, designing, you know, marketing, just you know, whatever, debugging, playing. Um, so even 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 games that that aren't great still are done with a labor of love, and they're done with a lot of. Passion and it it takes passion. Nobody gets into this business, I think, because they think they're going to be rich. That's like the top 1% of the 1%. They do it because they love designing games and because they love seeing people play what they have built and get enjoyment out of it. And if one person says, Steve, I love this game. You have brought me joy you know, I have played for 30 hours straight and I haven't got any sleep. And, you know, I got <laughs> fired from my job because, you know, I didn't come into work because your game's so awesome. That would make me the happiest person in the world. And I, I um, that's kind of why I do it. And, and that's what helps me push through the challenge of, of, of finishing.
1: Before we wrap up, I'm just curious, what did the publisher say when they came to you? Like, what were their, their comments and, and did they say anything about why they came to you? Cause I'm curious to know what, what attracted them to your, your project.
0: Sure. well, So this publisher kind of specializes in titles that uh, uh, would otherwise be under the radar. Um, I don't know if you've you ever heard of Y Combinator. I have not. Okay, well it's a it's a organization. They're based out of San Francisco, and what they do is they bring in you know high powered ideas and teams and companies that have a really good idea for a startup, and then they go through. I, I want to say it's a three month or yeah three month kind of a boot camp. And then they kind of develop, and they they polish their idea. And then when it's good enough, they actually pitch it a la Shark Tank style. And if it's good enough, then it'll get it'll get funded by venture capitalists. I mean, these are millions and millions of dollars. I mean, these are big, you know, high scale ideas. So this company um, kind of looks for diamonds in the rough, and they saw a tremendous amount of potential. Um, you know, they really, it's kind of like there there are games out there that you know, if you just heard of the game, you know, people that have just, if you just heard about it and and knew about it, um, they felt like it would be a, a really big hit. And and I guess I don't want to sound presumptuous. I don't want to get out over my skis, but you know, we talk about, you know, the four X Goliath in the room is 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 paradox, right? Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that. But yeah, at this point it just it does seem that they are the the Goliath. You know, and, and there's just not a lot of competition for our 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 industry, well, I
0: say our genre. And, you know, you know, one of the things that Paradox has done over the years is, you know, it used to be they put out a new game every year or two. And I mean, I remember playing the original Europa Universalis, like the very first one back in, what, 2000, 1999. It's been quite a while. And I'm a big Paradox fan, so I say this, you know, with that. And I probably have like 20 other games. Um, but that being said... There are there's not a lot of, of real competitors for Paradox for you know their product you know how many how many people are putting out really intricate high level grand strategy type 4x games very few so that's a niche that I think um, people are waiting to see an, an entry and that's something that the publisher felt that Alliance could be um, for you know high end strategy games I mean we're not going to be apologetic this is not a beer and pretzels game I mean this is a complex high level you're going to have to take some time to, to put into it, but we hope that if, pe- if it works the way we think it will, people will play it for thousands of hours, and they'll make it a lifestyle like they do with Paradox
1: Games. So that's essentially what the the publisher sees in it. Um, now, of course, it's up to us to make that a reality. It's interesting you say that, too, because I think there have been a few times, more than a few times, really, that some of us at Explomate have described your game as what we thought Stellaris would be. So you know, that there would be this forex element, but there would also be a lot of character-driven stuff and generally just what you'd expect from a, a Paradox game, right? So it's wild that you say that because it, it is something that we've said more than more than once that we just were, were I mean, I don't want to set those expect- expectations that high because crazy <laughs> to consider that, that, you know, I mean, one man could possibly do what Paradox didn't, but that's what we were looking for, and I'm hoping to see Alliance of the Sacred Sons do that before we go, is there anything else you want to say as we wrap up? I wanted to thank you for having,
0: you know, me on your podcast. You know, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, you've been kind of a, a supporter for a long time. And, you know, we're still a, a virtual unknown. And, you know, I would just say to people that have maybe come across this game, you know, and it looks daunting, and I know maybe some people have tried to play it and just don't have any idea what they're doing, you know, I would say just hang in there we're well aware there's a learning curve. We're well aware that that's a a big challenge for us. And to make this game commercially viable, we have to be able to show how to play it and and the strategies involved and kind of get people broken through. So, um, you know, we're working on that. If you have, you know, been with us for the last several years when the game was Imperia, I want to thank you again for your support. You know, I think people like you um, that have been there, you know, playing the game for years, even when it was free kind of helped me get to the point that the game is at today um, but yeah, I mean, I, am very excited about what we're doing and I think that when the game is unveiled, I guess on a, on a large scale and, and, and people really start talking about it and, uh, you know, the big, you know, it, I, I guess the word spreads that it's going to be a very exciting time and we really want to, we want to change fundamentally the way 4X games are thought of and how they can be played.
1: Again, I'll say that that's something that really speaks to me at a, like a, at a level that... Very few people can, because you know clearly when we started Explominate, we wanted to almost do the same thing. we wanted to push the Forex genre and champion those that do so certainly, Alliance of the Sacred Sons and you, Steve, are somebody that we'd love to champion and and definitely check in on frequently and make sure that people are aware of the updates and stuff like that because again we're just we're 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 really interested in seeing new takes, new directions and stuff like that so Best of luck to you, Steve. We're really excited to see how Alliance of the Sacred Sons sh- uh, shapes up, how it you know works its way towards early access. And of course, one of these days, I'm going to sit down. I've, I have dabbled quite a bit in the game, but one of these days, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to learn this damn game because <laughs> I really want to. I know that it's going to be a game that I enjoy once I get down into it. So again, congratulations on the publisher. We're looking forward to that announcement and best of luck to you, Steve. Thank you very much, Rob. And again, if you ne- if you need any help learning how to play, you have my Discord channel. Yeah, you're gonna see me in it a lot, I think. So definitely want to start doing a couple videos too, with your permission. So we'll uh, w- that'll force me to learn it because if I don't want to look like a total fool.
0: Well, maybe we could do a uh, let's play where I'm teaching you how to play. I mean, there's anything you'd like to do to help kind of further the game and especially the learning of the game. I'm all.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. So hey, hey audience, look forward to that. So that's a great, that's a great idea. I think that'd be fun to do. So thanks again, Steve, for joining me. I really appreciate it. And again, we'll be keeping an eye on you and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you in in the future.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Well, this was Rob for Explominate. We'll talk to you guys next time. Keep exploring.